Our scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from the Gospel of St. John, the ninth chapter, beginning with verse 1. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray now that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. Every once in a while, somebody on Facebook or something might post what they call instant karma videos. Instant karma where somebody, let's say, uh, somebody runs a red light and yet immediately gets into a car accident right after that. Or somebody else comes up and does something very jerky to someone and then trips and falls and hits their head. It's often referred to as instant karma videos. Karma is a concept that developed out of Buddhism and Hinduism. It's an ancient Eastern mystical line of thinking that basically says there's a balance to things in the world and ultimately uh, things will work themselves out. What goes around is going to come around. There's a sense of justice that will finally punish something that goes wrong for someone else. You can see this in a lot of different philosophies, a lot of different uh, ancient religions as well. Uh, the concept of yin and yang is a philosophical concept that believes there are two great forces out there in the universe that must ultimately balance themselves out. And there's a constant battle, if you will, going on between them. They're, they're constantly seeking this, this great balance. And those who believe in this say you can see it in light and dark, the concepts of male and female, fire and water. And a lot of ancient pagan religions followed this. Uh, one that's a more modernized version of paganism known as Wicca also has this built into it, the, the concept of, of, uh, of things kind of getting paid for in, in a person's life or possibly in the next life. If you suffer something now that's bad that's happening to you, according to this way of thinking, that means that in a previous life, maybe you were a vicious dog that used to hurt people. And now this soul that has become you in this life is, is now getting punished for the way you treated people as a dog in your previous life. It's kind of a scary way to go through life. We live in a world of cause and effect. We live in a world where if this happens, or if I cause this to happen, it may also change an outcome over here. And we're tempted to take and apply that same type of reasoning to our relationship to God. If I do this, God is going to make my life better. If I don't do this, that's why he's going to punish me. If things are going well, God must be on my side. I must be in the right place with him. If things aren't going well, there must be something messed up in my life. There must be something I'm not doing right, and God is kind of taking that out on me. 
Jesus' disciples come to him with the same line of reasoning when they see this man who has been blind from birth. And they assume that someone in his life, either in his parents or himself, had caused some particular sin that, that caused his blindness. And even rabbis back in Jesus' day had fallen into some thinking like this. Uh, there were rabbis at the time who actually thought like this. You can even see it in the Old Testament book of Job. We can see Job's friends who counsel him in the direction of this false thinking that God must be punishing you for something that you did wrong. And we can hear it today even in some Christian, supposedly Christian preachers who claim that if you just clean up your life, if you just live a moral life and try to be a better person, there's, you're, you're going to have success in life. And if you don't, God's going to come out to get you. A few years back, he used to play some noon basketball, and uh, there was a guy that played with us all the time, Dean Shoup, used to teach, teach business here, and jokingly, he used to yell out if somebody hit a very lucky shot, clean living, <laughs> and what he meant by that is, God's blessed you somehow with a good shot because, because you've been living a clean moral life. <laughs> Just think what your life would really be like if God directly punished every sin you do in your thought, word, and deed. Just think what my life would be like, or your li- the hell on earth that we would be living in if God directly punished each thing we did wrong every day. The psalmist says, If you, Lord, marked iniquity, O Lord, who could stand? We would just be devastated. In Jesus' parable of the rich man and Lazarus, if you remember that parable, the rich man in his unbelief is just fat with the riches of the world and living this sumptuous life. The poor man who's begging with sores on his body is the believer. That that parable completely flips this, this thinking on its head. And Jesus applies that proper theology to this situation as well when he addresses his disciples. He says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. In other words, God has used this man's condition of blindness and is going to now use it almost like an artist sets up a canvas upon which to paint a beautiful painting. And the painting that Christ is going to to paint in regard to this man's life is ultimately to point back to Christ's own glory as the Son of God, the great light who has come into the world to bring salvation to humanity. Jesus uses this situation to display his divine nature, and he makes it very clear that he is the one causing this man's blindness to go away. Listen to, listen to uh, the text again. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground. Just think of watching this. He spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Just like a, an artist takes a palette and and puts different colors on that palette to use that he's going to now put on the canvas. 
So the Son of God now takes and makes it very clear that I am the one touching this individual's life and I'm going to use the conditions in his life in such a way to ultimately glorify God and for a much higher purpose. And he uses it to display the beauty and the glory, the majesty of his own divine nature. Situations in our lives that appear on the surface to be merely chance happenings are oftentimes things that God has allowed to take place in our lives that have an eternal purpose to them, that have a much grander purpose to them. Now we need to be clear, illness and blindness and death, these are all present in our world because of the presence of sin, that's true. But where these problems show up in the lives of individuals, God does not want us to make a direct connection to them as if it's a direct punishment on a particular sin that someone committed. You know, we're often awed, as we should be, by the miracles of Christ who went around healing people in many situations. But there were probably many people that Jesus walked by on a daily basis whom he did not heal. Blind people whom he did not cure of blindness. And yet the places where he does, it's always done to glorify the work, the greater work that he has come into this world to perform as the great light of the world. So God would not have you look to the bad things in this world that happen to people as a punishment for sin. If you're going to look for where the punishment for sin takes place, it's on the cross. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, and by his stripes we are healed. This is the great painting, the great beautiful artwork that our Lord has created in the world for us to look at, to find our sin. Not in all the bad things that happen in people's lives or in our own lives, but rather look to the wounds of his son. This is the beautiful canvas upon which our Lord has come to save us. Notice that Jesus has some insights into the details of this man's life. Not only into the details of his life, but but also how God is going to utilize the impediment that he has to give glory to him. Our Lord Jesus knows his sheep intimately. He knows each one of us. He knows the details of our lives. He knows all the problems we have, all the ailments that we have or are going to have. But he also knows exactly how for each one of his sheep he will guide them and lead them to their eternal home through faith in him. And once in a while, he may take you down a path that's a little bit different than you would have wanted. He may take you through a situation or a problem in life that is not what you would have preferred. And yet he promises us this, that ultimately in heaven, when you and I are enjoying the bliss of heaven, we will look back upon the impediments we had in this life, the troubles and problems and illnesses, and we will give glory to him and thank him for those that he used them in a way to ultimately bring us to our eternal home. The very cross in your life that you might think is the hardest to bear, that you might pray the hardest for God to take away, might be the very thing you're giving him thanks for someday in heaven. In the meantime, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Amen.